0: all right hi welcome everybody to our public mentorship the Katase mentorship that is open to everybody new people our best friends and students and um, we thought we're going to try that and see how that how that flies i'm going to put this on the recording as well we are recording this obviously and if you do not want to be on the video because we're going to share all or parts of it later on. Uh, please turn your camera off and let's see, I have a couple of other housekeeping things. Uh, I hope I remember them all. Uh, one is we are focusing, um, give me just a second. Okay. Could you mute yourself? Thank you. One is, um, We're going to focus on the teachings, on the shamanic studies, and we're not going to address uh, the specific physical healing process or the red-door healing today. We want to stay focused on uh, the studies, the classes, the courses, and what's being taught and questions about that. And, of course, questions you have about that and about what's going on in your life. And... The other thing is um, the safe space thing. I'm sure you, I hope you read all that. This is, and Kay may address that as well. This is a safe space environment, which means respect each other, ourselves, and um, we don't interrupt when somebody is talking. We don't judge when somebody is talking and we don't judge ourselves and I hope I covered everything and listen carefully because a lot can be learned uh, from the questions other people have and the answer K gives to them. And I'm sure I forgot something. There was something else and I didn't make a note. Uh, You're muted. Forgot about that. We did
1: say that we were going to have an open, uh, mentorship a day again uh dealing with all healing just everything healing hands on yes. healing red door healing so we're not we're not going to miss anything
0: yeah and yeah. remember to mute yourself when you don't when you're not talking so we don't get any background noise into the, the event, I think I covered it. If there's anything else, we just mention it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When we come across it, we'll, we'll mention it.
0: And we start out, Kay wanted to, um, talk a little bit before we get into the question and sharing. Welcome again. Great to see you. Let's have a fun day.
2: Okay. Welcome and good morning. Good morning everybody.
1: I would like to um tell everybody you know we got a lot of uh new people here that haven't heard some of our lingo before and might get a little confusing. So to make that a little bit easier, uh, I decided to kind of define our our lingo that we we use and not that many other people do, and the first would be song, the word song, and my teachers, the hedekis in their tribe tribal life in their language, they used the word "song, of course spoken in their own language, but that's what it means song, to describe their soul or or their spirit. However you look at that and the way they describe it is it's the totality of our being. It's our, our soul and spirit and our physical body and our mental and the emotional, everything. It's everything that we are. And what we have been in the past, and all that's covered in the word "song.
2: And we often talk about thought form, thought forms. So what thought forms are,
1: uh, we're all emitting energies all the time, constantly they you know they could be tracked. By our modern machinery, and with these energies, uh, they're they're telling the world and the, and around us what we are, who we are, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we believe. We're just we everything that makes us up as a human gets radiated out to everything else. And it creates kind of a, a form, a bubble, a cloud. And that has been called for a couple of centuries now, I think, at least um, a thought form, a thought form. And usually, uh, you know, with our, with our modern world, with a, uh, that modern culture, we've been programmed. We've we've got an awful lot of programming, and that programming is is in these thought forms, and we have personal thought forms, and we have you know really big thought forms like like all the different religions have their own thought form to them, and people who have have studied the religion or thought about it or went in their buildings or have contributed. To this thought form, and some of those are quite old—thousands of years old, thousands of years. But the ones that we're thinking, if they don't keep getting fed with new thoughts, they—they they do um, die off. They wither and die off. So you might hear us talking about the thought forms, and. We use the word or two words, muggle bubble. And it just sort of came into the vernacular very recently when Hamlet and I were sitting in front of the fire and talking about what we usually, you know, uh, talking about the teachings and stuff. And it just popped in my head, muggle bubble. And <laughs> that describes the cultural dynamic. The cultural thought form, our modern cultural thought forms, and it isn't uh, meant to be, uh, you know, degrading to anybody or hurtful or anything like that. Uh, we found it rather funny at the moment. So we do talk about Muggle bubbles and we talk about Muggle food. That's the modern uh, industrialized food that we see all around us everywhere and 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 other kind of muggle things in our world so that might pop up and that would help explain i hope and that should do for a while we might come across something else that we talk about that uh It would just escape the people who have never heard anything about these teachings before, and I'll explain them. So, I think it's time to get to the questions.
0: Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to mention before. Um, If you can, please use the Zoom icon to raise your hand. That way we have the lineup of questions and can go through those. I'm sure you're all familiar with that. If not, um, ask somebody who knows how that that works. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm not quite sure where it's at, but I hope you find it. It's
1: usually something that's pretty visible, pretty noticeable. And some of you uh, now have your pictures turned off. We aren't going to see you holding your hand up to... Ask a question. So, just remember that that you got the hand. Here's one that's popped up already. So, I think that's our first question. When you when you do push the hand, meaning your hands up, you can see it in the um, the top corner there. That image usually goes up to the top corner on the left side. So, let's get
2: started, uh, Laura. Yeah, it, the on my computer, just
3: for other people who want to raise their hand, it's in down in the bottom. It, there's a reaction. It says reactions with a little happy face. The raise hand option is in those reactions, and I, I'm I'm happy to always move myself back to the end of the line. <laughs> <laughs> Kay, you know that you can always put me at the end, <laughs> and, and <laughs> I I love hearing all the new people's stuff. In fact, I can I can go back to the end since Laura Philpott has her hand up. Or did you want to hear my question?
1: Oh, you might as well tell your question.
3: Well, uh, and you can decide order. I'll put myself back, but it's um, my question. Just is straight up. What's journeying, or what's Ooh, a what, journey? Because a I. Journey? Yeah, mm. I have a case of ICTA. I know that already, and I would like to not. I, I'd like to hear it again. Because I recently was talking about the classes to somebody and talking about journeying, and I, I assumed everybody knew, and it's funny because I haven't known what it was for that long myself, <laughs> truly, but I, I forget. I mean, it, it's like I'm you know, and one of her questions is like, why would I need to know how to do that? And I thought that was even, I'm like, that's where I got stumped in a case of IGDA. I, I have my assumptions, but I'd let, I, when you, in any order today, if you wouldn't mind, what is a journey?
1: That is a, that's a good question. A journey is a ceremony that we do and and pre- pretty frequently actually a lot of different kinds of journeys and before i get into that uh one little comment about the ikta that's obviously just letters uh i know that already and it's it's something to easily fall into and people usually do and, Sometimes new students that think, "Oh, I've heard that already." I'm, I'm going to go get myself a cup of coffee, <laughs> but uh, we we think we know. We might know on one level, uh, kind of a, a superficial level at first, but with these old teachings, these are really, really ancient teachings. They they are about such things and taught in such a way that it's in layers, like an onion. It's in layer after layer after layer, and one level after another. And you'll hear the same words or the same story again. And all of a sudden, it it means something brand new to you, something that you never thought of before. It's the same. You're getting the same words again. You're getting the same information. But when you think you know it already, you block everything else out. You block new information out. And so we, we warn against the icta. And, and now a journey. This is a journeys are so fun. This is one of, one of the funnest parts of the teachings here. <laughs> and, and we started early on <clears throat> because it's a very big way to learn spiritual work. When we journey, we take a piece of our, our spirit, our song, out of our body, and we go, we travel um, with our mind intact. And travel to. Usually, it's a specific place in the ceremonies because it's all um, pre-designed. It's that's uh, traditional in in the ways that they do a particular thing or learn something. They do a journey and they go to a particular place. Like one of the first journeys that that a person would be taking on um, on this road is to what we call the crystal cave. And it's a real place. It's a real place in southern-ish Brazil, out in the middle of nowhere. And if you look at a map of Brazil, there's the the grasslands. And then there's these, um, they look like cracks in the earth. When you're flying over them, you know, you take your body out, your your spirit out of your body, and you're traveling. You're flying. You fly to those places, and you feel and see the whole journey. Everything, the wind on your face and the cold in the air, if it's or if it's raining or whatever's happening, <clears throat> you feel every minute of it. And you get to the spot, and it's this is this big cave, and as you get to the opening, it's it just a big, uh, big long, straightish cavern that opens up into a big room, big cavernous room, full of crystals. I mean, full of giant, giant crystals and and smaller ones, but it's it's astounding. The feeling inside the cave is just draw dropping, and you go find a place, sit down, when the sun meets, goes down, right down that cave, meets that cavern, it is indescribable, but you feel it, you feel it, you see it on every level, and it does magic things, It's it does magic things to your your whole body, your whole system, your brain, your neuro, neuro, neurological
2: system, <clears throat> and it's it's wondrous. It's just it's
1: just wondrous. The things that happen to people in that cave and the healings, uh, the stories are just astounding. And and that's another thing that we do, unless we're doing it all by ourselves. That, but we're in, when we're in a group. When we come back at the end of the journey, and at the end of that experience, we fly back, we fly back, and then settle into our bodies. And usually have to move. It's uh, especially in the beginning. You need to um, get up and dance and move around and and. And kind of reorder your your whole comprehension of who you are, where you are, and and that you're, you have a physical body and you're in it. <laughs> and when that stage is is finished, we all describe something about our journey, as much as you want, or if it was just too private. If it's something you can't put any words to, which that happens, (laughs) because it is pretty pretty just mind-blowing, spiritually mind-blowing, then we talk about what, what feels comfortable to us. And we learn from everybody else's journey as well as our own. And so... It's just an incredibly beautiful experience. Every journey, every journey is, is rich. And sometimes you're not, you know, in the very best of, of health or mental state when you start out to do this. And you have a little bit of trouble concentrating, but you still, uh, something is happening. Something from the journey is still happening to you. And it doesn't mean you failed. There is no way to fail. There's always a good experience that teaches you a lot, and maybe it's teaching you that you really should not have eaten that junk food before you got to class. And it's your stomach doesn't feel so good, and the rest of you you can't think right, and uh, you you realize. What was disturbing your attention in the middle of this journey And that's a huge learning experience. When we go on journeys, um, we have our uh, our power animal, or other spirit guides to guide us, to help us, to teach us. We meet different beings different entities, songs, (laughs) Uh, wherever it is we go, and they teach us things, they take us places, they give us different experiences. This is the tradition that is all about experienced. We don't learn uh, anything but to sort of surface details unless we experience it that's where the real learning comes from. That's what the real spiritual teachings are all about. That's the cornerstone. You have to feel. And when we've been living the muggle bubble life and doing all the correct cultural things, our, our senses are dimmed down and and our mental capacity is dimmed down and our physical and, and
2: we're hindered we're hindered and as we do these these different
1: ceremonies the teachings the the experiences they teach us the way the world really is what's really really happening what's really there on all levels, physical, and mental, and emotional, and spiritual, and especially spiritual, all the spiritual levels. And we touch into it. The spirits give us what we need at the time. They give us how much we can handle. You never get more than you can handle. And it's, it's so... Beautiful and so fun and so enriching that uh, most of the people who who practice some kind of a shamanic type tradition and it, all these ancient teachings, the really, really ancient ones, they did journeying. There was a major way of learning and experiencing, and as you do this, your senses start to wake up. Your physical senses, your spirit senses. We have a whole array of spirit senses that we know nothing about in our culture, and they're they're right there, they're right there, and he's, they start to wake up. All of it starts to wake up. Even the, the um, pre-flood Egyptians said, "We had we have three hundred and
2: sixty spirit senses." Just let that sink in for a minute.
1: 360.
2: We have five
1: physical, but 360 senses, things that we could sense. And I heard one uh, living master, uh, indigenous uh, Egyptian guy who, who was born in a local tribe that practiced the old ways, kept them hidden. And he had figured out, you know, 20 some odd senses, spirit senses and hadn't figured out the rest of them. And he was an old man already, but he'd been working on it his whole life. So there's, there's a lot of stuff out there. If we're, if we're so much more than, than what the muggle bubble says you are.
2: So much more journeying is a little bit different than um a visualization. We have a lot of traditions
1: that you could get into these days that that do um visualization exercises and a visual visualization exercise. <clears throat> is where you yourself make up where you're going to go or what you're going to experience. And, it, and you make up everything about it. Sometimes somebody else has already made it up and they want to lead you into their thought form of the journey and let you experience there. And the Hedekas do that too. That's my elders the, and the pre-flood. Egyptians, they did that too, but it was to teach a specific lesson. It's to teach you how to recognize what you made up or what somebody else made up. And then that is is held up against a real journey. And you can you can feel it for yourself. A real journey is is a real journey, and you meet real live beings there real real places sometimes we do journeys to things uh, places that are not in our physical world but they're in another dimension that happens too there's some of that too and that's pretty exciting as well
2: so i hope that answers that question it, it not only answers that question, but for everybody
3: else who is going to experience it on the call, I, I wrote down the second question I was going to ask, and she already answered that one. <laughs> right there. I was going to ask it, how do you know it, you're not making it up? And you just answered it right there.
2: So thank well, you.
1: The real, the real key to knowing how you know you didn't make it up yourself is to learn signatures. This is another one of those words that we use that, that has its own little twist in the tradition. And a signature is the stuff that you're radiating out, That talk about you, your song, your life, your thoughts, and you're radiating that out. And it, it's different. It feels different for everything, everybody, because what the ancients say is that we are an individual and unique piece of creator. No two alike. In the whole universe, through all time, no two alike. You are an individual and unique piece of creator. And because of that, you feel different than any, anybody, everybody, everything else. The ancients say that everything's alive. Everything, everything. The rocks, the atoms, the water, the you know, planets, everything is alive, the, the air around you. <clears throat> and they're all individual and all unique. And one thing the Hedekah has told me. When I was first learning, I, I, when I was first learning this, it just blew me away. I was like, "What the what on earth are you talking about?" And so they had me uh, just think,
2: just just kind of think for a minute. You got a dog, you got a tree, you got a human,
1: and they're all there in front of you, and each
2: one feels different all dogs feel like like a dog that's dog
1: signature and as an individual dog they have that extra added little individualness for their individual uniqueness but part of their whole signature is being a dog <laughs> and the tree the trees not a dog you know I mean, then you can really tell the feeling difference it feels different signatures have a feeling to them. Everything has the feeling, and you know trees are trees, they're not a dog, and they're not the human They're not anything else. That's what they are. And then you look at the human, you feel the human, and that's that's human. It's not a dog, and it's not the tree. And and we learn to read signatures. We learn to feel the energy and be able to read it, be able to tell what that is. So that when you're in the middle of a journey and you have a character come up to you and, and start talking to you, telling you to do this or that, or you can feel its aliveness and you can feel its signature
2: this is not something you made up but if you learn your own signature and every all these other
1: signatures when you go into a pretend world for like the exercise and and what you're making and putting in your world you might be putting you know plants or trees or other people, or if you like animals, you might put a bunch of animals in there, but they all have your signature because you created the world and you dreamt up these imaginary uh, things.
2: They don't have any of the feeling of aliveness and that's how we tell that we went on a journey a real journey and didn't just make it all up we learn those things that's part of the teachings so i think that that that's should cover awesome. that thanks kay <laughs> and to welcome. for all the the
3: students who signed up for level 1 before you started <laughs> emailing me <laughs> This is this is what you're going to be learning in the next few months. It's in it's in this course. So uh, I'm telling you now so you don't need to email me like, is this what we're learning?
1: (laughs) This is indeed.
3: This this is what. you. Yeah. Sorry, Kate, didn't mean to interrupt, but this is what's coming up in the next few weeks for you. You don't have to wait till next year. This is coming up.
1: (laughs) For some of you, it may sound a little advanced. It may sound like, oh, my God, I'm I'm sure she can do it or he can do it. But me? Uh, No, forget that. Forget those thoughts. This is how the teachings start out. This is what we start with. We learn these things, and we keep learning them more and more and more and more. And every time you go back, to what you think of as the beginning, and and taking, uh, say level one again, after you know a number of other classes, maybe it's like a whole new class. You have understanding and depth, and feeling, and and deeper experiences, and learning much much more than the first time it doesn't mean there's any kind of less than the first time you went through it you learned what you needed to learn at that level at the beginning and that's that's
2: how everybody does it that's how it's done so thank you Laura
0: that was beautiful questions hang on hang on a minute okay <laughs> Before you jump to Laura, I want to welcome the new people who have joined, um, and especially my sister. Hi, sis. <laughs> and uh, just mentioned that we are recording this, and we will be sharing this later. So if you do not want to, want to be on the, the video that's being shared out to the public, make sure your camera is off or stays off. Um, and keep yourself muted while you if you're not up talking and I think that's it glad you could join us welcome Welcome.
1: all right Laura the other Laura (laughs)
4: I have a question and it might be semantics but um, I have heard people say I'm I'm not in song I can't feel my song I've lost you know if we're, our, if we're infinite and, and we're our consciousness and awareness, so when people say they've lost their song, um, for me, it feels like it's I'm either going into the no-no or I forgot for a moment who and what I really am. Can you clarify when people are saying I'm in song versus I'm out of song?
1: It's, um, it's an unfortunate use of the English language. And all modern languages have that handicap of what they, they're usually used to speak about is muggle bubble world. <laughs> and so um, it's really difficult sometimes to talk about spiritual things. Because we don't have the the language and it takes lots of words sometimes to put together all the things that, uh, that we really need to be able to fully express these concepts. So when they say I'm in song, or I'm out of song, or I lost my song, I can't find my song. This is in, in reference to feeling their whole beingness, feeling the truth of who they are. And the first ceremony that we ever learn is a, a kind of meditation um, it can be a kind of journey sometimes it is but it is at least a meditation <clears throat> and in this this journey in this in this practice it's called finding your song and it's misleading in english because it, it kind of misleads you to think it's something outside of yourself that it's something that isn't part of you that's here physical. It's something else, something else. And that's not true. When we do the song ceremony, we learn by experience, by experiencing happiness and joy and love and great passion, excitement the thrill of of being alive, even remembering uh, a memory like being on a roller coaster. It might have scared you, but it gave you a lot of adrenaline and you felt very, very alive for a few moments. Even that experience, you can find your song in it. the The basic nature of our song is happiness, and love, and passion, and immense aliveness, and you can feel your ancientness, your antiquity, how old your, your song really is, and how vast, how incredibly vast you are, and that you've had past lives, lots and lots and lots, and maybe not even on this planet. Some of them might have been on some other place. And you sense this, you feel it. Every time you do the song ceremony, you're tuning into the feeling of that happiness. And you discover that that feeling of the happiness is really your song.
2: That's what, That's the nature of your song. That's what it is designed to be, and uh, it's
1: designed to feel all the time. A basic core happiness full of love.
2: Just exquisite, unconditional love. And that's what we are born of. That's what our song is born of. We feel it. We remember. And we know it. We have knowingness of it. So you can't really
1: lose it because it's, it's a part of you. But you could get distracted. And that's what the muggle bubble culture does. It distracts you from the feeling of your song. It distracts you by diminishing
2: your senses and your consciousness, your ability to feel your own emotions.
1: It diminishes all of it, every single thing. And it does it in a lot of different ways. And then all of that kind of works together to distract you, to keep you thinking about something else. We we learn to be distracted with fear and worry and anger and anxiety and stress and all, all the negative emotions. We learn to be distracted by that especially. And so we keep going back to it. We, we learn how to be
2: addicted to the distraction and to the fogginess. And we think that's normal. It's not normal. It's diminished. And it was done on purpose. A long time ago. Long time ago. It was done on purpose that's something to just think about for a while so we were we were a lot of us were
1: definitely created and designed to be slaves some of us a few of us in a different culture far away uh may not have gotten that we may have been able to grow up and, and learn about our own song and our own beingness, whatever
2: words they use for that. And they live with this core love and happiness as
1: their whole way of life. The Hedekas were like that. The pre-flood Egyptians were like that.
2: Many of the ancient cultures way, way back were like that. Now that we are uh, all mixing together,
1: <clears throat> we have an, a, a true international culture and all kinds of different people from different tribes and places and spaces uh, are finding each other and breeding and making new humans and, and teaching, you know, all their, their things together and, uh, so our our genealogy is is very complex, and our history of where our parents, grandparents, great 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 grandparents came from that's all different. So many different places. And these days, we might be able to track some of that. Um, I'm I'm not totally relying on. Um, genetic studies and who, where they think they know your ancestors came from, and um, all that stuff. Some of that might be reliable and some not. And it's another thing that we learn question everything. Question, question, question. Don't blindly believe it. Question it. Question everything.
2: And if we don't question everything, we're not going to get out of this muggle bubble. But we learn in the teachings how to hang on to our attention
1: and and aim our attention. And we can aim our attention
2: straight into our song and have that be our natural way of being. We
1: can learn how to do that as, as a base, as a foundation of how we live. Everything that we do. When we do that, our perspective changes. Whatever
2: we're looking at, we're looking at through our song. And that doesn't fully quite talk about that, right? Like English often does. But your
1: view of something from your song and your song's perspective is the truth of your existence. That's, that's truth. What you perceive from your song's perception ability, that's truth. What you perceive from the muggle bubble and your, your asleep kind of life in the muggle bubble that's all distorted. It's lies upon lies upon mistruth and mistruth.
2: Some purposeful, so not everything. So you you end up growing up believing, blindly
1: believing, never questioning all the muggle bubble lies, all the mistruths. And you think that's the way the world is? You think that's what you are and who you are, and who the, everybody else is? And their the picture of who you are and anybody else is is all kind of predecided by the muggle bubble. You're supposed to be this, and you're
2: supposed to be that. And what the ancient teachings say? Um, screw the the shoulds. Just don't don't believe it. Question it. Question everything. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Thank you, Kay. Good question. Anna.
5: Good morning. Yeah, so I have a follow-up question on that. In regards to song and actually modern diseases. So, or I don't know if they're modern or if they always existed. <laughs> Again, that's another question. But um, increasingly, we see depression among people, especially young people, which seems to reflect that there is a void. Um, so, maybe a lack of awareness of their song. <laughs> so but maybe you can so I'm, I, depression comes to my mind first because it is a disease that is um, affecting everything like emotions mental etc spiritual uh, it just seems that there is nothing there and to the degree that people want to take their lives or actually go through with this when they start feeling a little bit better so could you could you please comment on that a little bit more? What from your perspective, what is this about depression and how we as healer could actually help those people even treat them? <laughs> I know that might be more healing question, but we yeah. can get to later. <laughs> I
1: will go on the, on that side of the fence.
0: not okay. breaking the rule again.
5: Yes.
1: I'll I'll see if I can make that not break the rule. Okay. (laughs) I'm sure you can. (laughs) Okay. So depression. First of all, depression is not a disease. It's labeled like that. And we have all kinds of things labeled as a disease in the muggle bubble culture, muggle bubble medicine or science and depression is, is not a disease uh, you're right about it being um the absence of the awareness of somebody's song their own song and when they completely believe blindly believe what society has told them about you know all of all these kind of things in, in life and the horrors in life and oh my God there's a big war going on over there and these people are fighting over here and they're sick there and there's there's nothing for me there's you know maybe uh, different events in their life that uh, have kind of triggered them into more depression and. All of that depression stuff coming from the muggle bubble is what is blinding them, literally blinding their senses from feeling their own aliveness, from feeling their own song. Just blocking blocking it out, refusing to believe that it exists, refusing to believe that any kind of happiness exists that all there is in this world is all that sadness and misery and pain and all all the all the negative stuff and that's simply not true mm-hmm. if they just turn their attention turn their attention enough To feel, to feel their aliveness, to remember some time in their life when they were happy, when they felt that the happiness, and inside that feeling of happiness, that is the feeling of your song. That's your signature. Your song. And when you feel it and you learn how to be able to aim your attention back into that feeling whenever you want and hold it in your mind, hold it in your your body, you can feel the happiness, the aliveness, the beauty, the love. You feel love coming from other people, from the, from the trees and the rocks and the dogs and everybody else, and, and your own self. You feel this astounding amount of love that your own being holds and is, and that it loves everything else. That doesn't, you know, doesn't mean they approve of bad behavior. But you love other people's aliveness, their songs, their beauty. So there it ties in. And we could talk about all kinds of medical things on the medical day (laughs) that add to this distraction. And let me give you a hint. Food can be one of them. Yeah. What you put in your mouth or on your body or your breathing or whatever, that can definitely change what your attention is aimed at and what you are able to feel. Muggle bubble food. That is the, that's everything that's overprocessed and, industrially made, chemically made, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it has no food value. It might have a lot of sugar in it, might have a lot of vegetable oils in it, has no food value. Your your body can't actually extract real food from that. But it will mess up your entire neurological system Mm -hmm. and your thinking. And uh, so that's the first clue. Stop eating junk food. No muggle food. And
0: stop media, especially social media, and go sit in the sun without sunglasses and without sunscreen.
1: this whole thing about sun's really bad for you and it's going to give you cancer and all that make you blind. People have been living in the sun for millions of years. They have been a form of human for millions of years. Now, most of which have lived their entire lives in the sun and they didn't die from cancer and blindness and all that stuff. These are, these are lies These are typical kind of lies that the muggle bubble tries to feed you, literally get you to believe in. So he's right. Try the sun. The sunlight is pure love. It's pure love, pure life, aliveness, and it'll fill you up. Even if it's, like a cloudy day, like today, doesn't mean you aren't going to get the sun. You get it. It's a little bit filtered through the clouds, but you get the sun or this whole spectrum, which you want. And that feeds your song and your whole body, your emotions, your mind, everything.
5: So we are treating this completely wrong. Um, I have to say, i I worked in the pharmaceutical industry and I developed actually a drug for depression, against <laughs> depression. And that's what you, yeah, I see people left and right. They go from one to another depression drug. So we developed something. People had to be on five different drugs, which all didn't work. And then that had to work. So that's how we are treating it. It's completely wrong. And yeah, um, yeah, no, thank you for that again, but it is just very difficult still because as you said, people are just um, maybe a very good psychotherapist or counselor. People are just into those habits. They're addicted to those habits. Uh, Helmut, as you said, media or whatever it is, uh, social media, food, especially too, and to change that for people who are in that in that muggle it's just very difficult, even for people who are not uh, uh, who who are uh, fortunate not to have severe uh, things like depression it can be difficult to change all that Mm. Mm
1: -hmm. yeah, Uh, one of the things that feeds that are the inappropriate items that we we put in our mouths. We try to eat (laughs) and we think that it's going to feed us and take care of us. And even some really nice veggies out there that have fabulous nutrient list that has been studied by science and they've listed this great nutrient list. There's so many anti-nutrients in it. Yeah. Phytic acid, oxalates, and, and on and on and on and on and on. And they they attack the human body. They attack uh, the animals. That's how animals learn not to eat certain plants because the, the anti-nutrients are, are just too much or too much for their species. And so they smell that and they move on. They don't touch it. Or if they manage to get it in their mouth, they sp- literally will spit it out, and and I've I've seen that I've seen that with horses and cows. Uh, picking up something they shouldn't have eaten and and tried to eat it and spit it out, but humans aren't that smart when, when they're asleep when they are. They are living, you know, <clears throat> blindly caught in the muggle bubble. They're not paying attention to any of those things. And they just they just eat muggle bubble food and it dampens their their mind and their emotions and their consciousness, their ability to do anything, especially spiritually, just totally dampens the spiritual levels. All of these this muggle bubble garbage stuff. Uh, with sugar on the top of that list, it dampens spirit abilities, and you can see it in people. If you are able to see any of their aura, and you'll you can learn that in these classes how to be sensitive enough to see that the spiritual things, you'll see that their spiritual level has been turned off. It's not dead; it's just empty. Mm-hmm. They don't use it. And that's what happens with depression. And they are doing too many things that dampen their ability to be able to use their spiritual side of themselves to be able to feel. They don't know how to feel. And feeling, here's English again, we have different kinds of feeling. We have physical senses that feel, you know, we can touch, touch that, touch the burner, it's hot. We we know that. And we we have a lot of spirit senses. And all the spirit senses operate on feeling, a subtle nuance of feeling. When you have dampened down your entire spiritual body so that it there's no activity in there it's just it's just empty not dead empty that stimulates depression that stimulates the feeling of non connectedness in the ancient teachings we teach that Everybody is extremely connected to everybody, everything else. Extremely connected. And in this connectedness, there can be coherence and balance and harmonies, like a symphony, harmonies, the the dance of life, all harmonized together. And we can feel it when we don't have any of that and we're not tuned in to paying attention to it in ourselves or anything, anybody else. Then we are empty. The spiritual body is empty. And we feel disconnected. Humans, uh, they're especially designed to be healthier when they feel connected to other humans. They need other humans in their life. They need family or community, a friend, a best friend, a mate. We need to feel connected. And that's that can be turned into a conversation that goes off in a very different direction, but covers the area of the last two to three years with a particular pandemic that has gone on in our culture, which in this tradition, we see it as a perfect fake, just (laughs) worldwide, planet-wide, fake pandemic. They get people to believe in anything and believe in this disconnectedness. They think that because we're already an island alone, we're disconnected, that it doesn't matter that we don't interact with any other humans or that we stay 12 feet apart. We can't touch anybody else. I remember I was not looking at, And I was talking where I was walking in the middle of this grocery store when COVID started. And I ran just bam into this woman who was outraged, thoroughly, thoroughly outraged
2: that I had the gall to touch her. And she didn't notice or didn't
1: care that it was just a complete accident. And I was trying to keep my distance from people because they were all scared. But going off the rails like that—that that just shows you what what happens when you're asleep. You can get triggered. You can have these these uh, these masks, the programming, uh, tr- big trigger jump up in your mind and your face and, and you're, then you're off. You're on absolute reactive behavior. You're not in control of yourself at all. And you're believing who knows what your own fantasy, other
2: people's fantasy. And we saw it. We saw what it did. We saw what, but staying away from people, has done. People starving for the company of other people. Then that's not good.
5: Yeah, I can see it on my... Sorry, I don't want to interrupt what concerns me. I can see it in my grandchildren. So it affects... I have a five-year-old now and she especially she doesn't want to be touched, hugged, kissed. It's really weird because she grew up, you know, during that time when she was told don't touch anything, don't uh, stay distant from people, wear masks. And all this is really weird. She is um she's such a sweet child, but she just doesn't want to be touched. Mm.
0: I think this cultural is cultural learning. This is a a whole lot of talk, honey.
5: hi oh, right, yeah. Sorry, we should I just wanted to see really
0: back uh, into the. Yeah, <laughs>
5: yeah. yeah.
0: it's important. it is an example, thing.
1: perfect example of how our entire modern culture—we're talking about billions of people, not everybody on the planet, but a awful lot of them—in the modern culture, and. How, how they've been raised, how they've been taught and taught to believe without questioning. Do you remember in your own schooling that you were not supposed to question unless the teacher kind of set that up ahead of time that you could ask questions about something? I was rare. All of my teachers, they did not want you to question anything with the with only one man, one exception, beautiful man, and he really, he really taught me a lot. But uh, the asleepness, and it starts young; it starts in the cradle. The culturalization, or you could say the muggle bubble, being a, a a good part of the a proper part of the muggle bubble. You have to obey all these different rules, and that's that has a lot, uh, a lot going on in the teachings. It has to do with your attention. Where did
2: you give up your attention? Where did you throw it away? Where did you give it to somebody
1: else? or give it to an institution, or the
2: authorities. Where did you give your attention? When? when I was doing a, an exercise with my uh, teacher, Chia Hedica,
1: on the beach in the sand. And I was to dig in the sand and look for life. This was just sand. That's all there was there, sand. And I was to play with it and like a kid and dig in it and rub it in my hands and rub it on my face. And um,
2: I was to try to perceive its aliveness. And
1: we had done this before. I did not succeed (laughs) on earlier occasions. (laughs) But this is a, a test with your attention. And you learn, you do it over and over and over and more and more and get better and better and better. And all of a sudden, in this digging around in the sand, I remembered being very little. I was still in my diapers and my mother had set me outside the door in the mud, um, not too far from the blackberry bush, but I was sitting in the mud and and just loving it, I could see its aliveness, even with my physical eyes, I could see the aliveness. it sparkled, it twinkled and it it shined out, and it there was shooting lights and colors and uh, dancing and uh the the mud was all completely alive and electric and beautiful. And it was full, so full of love and life, and I smeared it all over myself, probably in my mouth, and I had it in my hair. I had my mother had dressed me up because we were going to go somewhere, and I know I sure I had my entire body covered with the mud because that, that was just me. And so she came out the the back door and she saw me and was like, "Ah," and she grabbed me and took me in and washed me all up and oh no no bad 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 you got all muddy and you got your clothes all muddied up and and i'm trying to say but don't you see this don't you see the mud and i just didn't have any words (laughs) probably probably at that age i only had a few words But they they didn't understand. They couldn't see it. And I find I realized, ooh, I'm seeing something that they don't see. I'm feeling something that they obviously don't feel and they don't like. And I got in trouble. I didn't feel like I did anything bad. And that was kind of a secret inside myself <laughs> that, that I had had this glorious beautiful experience that I wasn't supposed to have and I got really muddy and I uh you know didn't do what my mommy wanted.
2: So I remembered this and I saw it again in sand with the teacher there as an adult. I saw it again, I felt it.
1: The incredible aliveness, and variety of life. And and what you think of as dead sand, there it is. The variety of life is extraordinary. And they're signaling their connectedness. They're signaling it. It was just, it was so breathtaking when I was a baby and when I was an adult again. And remembering, realizing that, i had already done this in this lifetime it was so exciting and that really that was a that was a teaching experience that really stood out to me it changed changed my direction of things in my
2: life big step on my path and this this is what these teachings are all about to give you back
1: your own ability to perceive and think and feel to give you back your own power your power is in your attention you got to claim it back
2: that's that's what the teachings are all about time for the monkey bubble to end So, thank you all. And Laura has a hand up again. Oops. Again, you can always
3: put me to the back of the line if somebody else has a (laughs) question. (laughs) Um, Power animal is my question because a lot of different practices use that term. And I... I had studied uh modern shamanism and um met my power animal and then did the katassi way of uh the power animal journey to meet your power animal and it's not the same. <laughs> and I get that a lot. I get I get two groups. I get the you know uh people who you know, when I'm doing readings and stuff, tell me who my power animal is. And I have to explain, that's not how this goes. (laughs) (laughs) And why, you know, why one, I ended up with two different, you know, I did the modern shamanism way. And then in, I mean, I can tell my own story, but I'd rather hear, um, years but it was when i did it the katasi way told different experience and why i mean i've got a lot of questions around it why why do we need a power animal need um, why would we want want um, let me get well <laughs> i'll let you use the words but uh you know why is that part of level one you know who's who's this dude dudette, who's this? What is it? Is that enough questions around it? Tell
1: uh-huh. me at all. Okay. That's good. Good question. A power animal is something that everybody is born with. This is a, a spiritual friend that you have had for probably many, many eons. That has been with you in many lifetimes in many places, taking on different roles for you. And in this life, they're your power animal. And in the Kitasi in the ancient Egyptian tradition, really ancient, <clears throat> your power animal is a, a spirit song, entity, that is taking on uh, an animal form, almost always an animal form, but you can have spirit helpers that are, are other things uh, who like to manifest as uh, a particular plant form for a while, and that's their thing. But a power animal is different. Power animal is an individual that is your friend and wants to be with you for your whole lifetime in this life. And probably it, others later and <laughs> other lifetimes or before. But in this lifetime, they are taking on the guise of a particular animal and they're by your side. They are They are just right there uh, all the time. It would be extremely rare if they weren't right close to you. Very, very close. And they're your guide. They've come to help teach you and help guide you through this lifetime, through your your
2: spiritual adventures. your spiritual travels. And in this tradition, we go on a special journey
1: to a very special place. And this time it's a different cave. It's a real cave in the Andes mountains. And we, we go into this cave and follow it. It's a big cave. goes goes way down.
2: You can follow it into um, other realms. There's a a particular realm that is referred to as the
1: land of the animal spirits. And that's where you're you're headed. That's where you go. So that's where
2: the cave takes you. You just keep following it down and you go searching.
1: There's a certain methodology in the search and you go searching for your power
2: animal and all kinds of different animals might come to you, but uh,
1: not, not a bunch of times,
2: not uh, not a lot. The other animals will come just once. Your power animal. You have a special relationship with this entity.
1: On a spiritual level, you really are already know this entity very closely. They are family. They are friend. They are mentor. They are their teacher. They're your guide. They're your trusted, 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 trusted friend. And so you begin a conscious relationship with your animal, your power animal, this animal friend. And they, they, t- they teach you remarkable things, beautiful, beautiful, remarkable things. And they're with you your whole life. And every journey after that,
2: they're present, they go with you, they're guiding you, they'll tell you whatever you need to know,
1: want to know,
2: they answer your questions, they give you love, help, healing, best friend. So I hope that answers. Thank you
1: beautiful question.
0: Thank you before we get to that um, or, Jen, I want to encourage and ask new people our guests or new guests if if you have questions if you have broad questions, this is your opportunity. So um, raise your hand and. And we get to those. Because the other people, many of the other students that are here, they get a lot of this. So uh, <laughs> if you brought a question, this this is the time. Okay, Odette.
2: Hi. Um,
4: yeah, I wanted to... Um to mention um today is march 11th which is exactly the day i got my apartment one year ago uh i moved out one year ago (laughs) that's it and um i just i want to to just i have such appreciation i have such Oh, I can't even put it into words um, what has happened in this last year, you know, because when I when I was finally able to start doing mentorships and stuff, I had done Katasi for about a year before, but in an intermixed in that year of hell before my divorce. And um, when I one year ago (laughs) today uh, was probably a blubbering mess of, of shaky cortisol, rich, you know, just stress. Um, uh, yeah, (laughs) a puddle of mess. And I, I cannot tell you where I'm at now and, and the journey this last year. And it has been completely around these teachings and around, um, finding out my song knowing figuring out who i am recognizing those masks and having the tools of mother earth's door to release those masks into and that is such a precious gift that that um i've i've had this year and to have developed such a um Relationship with the trees behind my apartment, and um, and the birds, and how healing they have been, and when I when I started doing um, the gratitude ceremony out there and thanking those trees and really developing and understanding those signatures developing that um, relationship with mother Earth and feeling that love feeling the love of the guides and 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 um, to where I'm at now and and the I'm I'm just so grateful again one year to date <laughs> and um, and where yeah what 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 I have a, a accomplished as far as finding myself my my vibration my frequency um and the masks still come and they and but they're they're some are easily recognized uh, recognizable other ones are more subtle but i tell you i'm very grateful when i when i when they oh that's that's just a belief oh <laughs> I don't have to believe that anymore if I don't want to. Um such amazing tools such amazing tools so um and I also want to mention that my nephew is here today and I'm just so happy to hear see his name on on here um because he is such a beautiful soul And from the time he was just a little baby, loved nature, loved bugs. (laughs) And, and, um, you know, when he came and came to stay with me a while back, it was like just talking to strangers when I took him to the waterfalls, talking to, do you, did you see this bug? (laughs) Um, so I'm so grateful that he's here today and listening to this and understanding, you know, um um e- experiencing the 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 ancient teachings of of actually using nature and and developing relationships with with um with with nature and um anyway i would i was i i don't have like a very specific question but i i was wondering if you could talk about masks and possibly the no-nos, um, because I'm constantly keeping that in in you know Laura Laura P made little notes of the no-nos and and I have it at the office, and I look at it frequently <laughs> and share it with others frequently and um so yeah, if you could talk about that.
0: It's beautiful of that, thank you
2: yeah well the no-nos that's a it's a part of the teachings
1: it's uh, the things that we should avoid because they come with the muggle world and sometimes they start to creep up a little bit in the primitive worlds uh, of my teachers but Way, way less. They were my teachers. Were so far away from Muggle world. They never, they never really had to experience that till they they came here to teach me. But, the way they grow up, they don't. Um, the language is so different. Like one of the no no's is judgment. No judgment. Don't judge. Learn not to judge. Learn to discover when you're thinking and feeling a way that you're judging, you're judging and condemning with your judgment. You're, you're making a, a make wrong of something else and making a better than or a less than of others and or yourself. So we, our Muggle world is a, is very hierarchical. As a hierarchical design. And there's better than, which is up that ladder. <laughs> and then there's less than, which is down the ladder. Don't want to be less than. Ooh, don't be less than. So we're, we're scrambling. We spend our whole lives asleep in the muggle world, and we're scrambling to get better than, better than, better than others. Better than the the usual model of who we should be, what we should be, but that society is pushed on us. Got to get, got to get more prestige
2: and more honors and more whatever's up that ladder. More money. If you just take the ladder away, you're you're way ahead with
1: with all the no-nos. So the judging, the con, it's a condemning kind of judging. It's not discerning. Hedekus made a big, big difference about that. <laughs> that you can discern, you can decide by your observations and your perception that something um is not efficient or effective. Like I'll give an example. They're going on a a food walk, where they're going to do hunting and gathering, all together, big bunch of them. And they they come across a plant that's poisonous, known to be really deadly, deadly. They they don't hate it, they don't condemn it. They just learn from a very very early age. Don't bother it don't touch it. It poisons humans. It's not effective for us. It's very inefficient because it will kill you, but it doesn't hate you. It's just, that's just the way it is. It's trying to survive. So it's a poison. It makes poison. And so we don't, we don't want to get into that plant at all. We just give it love and appreciate what it does in nature and has its its own little spot in nature, and it has a dance that it does, and it's beautiful. And so that's what that's what they do. That's the way they think. That's the way they feel. In the Muggle world, we see a poisonous plant, and we we we're afraid of it. We freak out. We're afraid of it. Oh my God, my God! We have a poisonous plant in the yard. We had to pull it out immediately, and. And throw it in the garbage don't let it don't let it see, don't
2: let it reroute, to you know flush it down the toilet or something like that uh, we don't We don't give ourselves a chance to see
1: anything else. We just go by the belief that it's really, really really bad, and we should tear it out. And maybe you're out in the horse's field and you see a plant that the horse shouldn't eat, could be really harmful to the horse, maybe tie its its gut in knots and, you know, all kinds of other horse things could kill it. So that might be the time you don't let the horse in the field. You might go out and, and move it, move the plant to someplace else but you're not hating it or attacking it or you're not afraid of it. You're discerning that it will
2: cause some trouble. And it could be a serious trouble if your animal eat that. So you take care of it. Most likely the, the best
1: thing to do would be to dig it up and either replant it way out in the wild, the way where your horse is not going to go, or bury it with thanks and offerings and love. And, and know that it's, it's got its place in the world and it's got a beautiful spirit and it's happily living along, but it needs to be able to accommodate the humans as, as, and these animals as well. And it will understand.
2: The plants can think. They'll understand if you explain things to them. The animals will
1: understand if you explain things to them. You might not be able to keep an animal from chewing on something like that, even though you've told it it's not good. But just to be safe. Because you can't you can't police the animals day and night. So to discern and to be safe, you take care of it in in a good and beautiful and
2: honorable and a loving way. That's what the teachings say. But what they do
1: in in our modern culture, they rip it out by the roots and and do something horrible to it to make sure it can't grow anymore. Put poison on it. Put poison on the
2: ground. Kill the soil as well as the ground. Throw it in the garbage. Disrespectful. Not honoring. In in the ancient cultures, they honor everything.
1: Everything of nature they honor it, and they they give thanks to it, they give love to it
2: they They do things that try to uh, help it, help everything very different ways of thinking and do you have some? no-no words that
1: are on our no-no list?
0: (laughs) No blind beliefs is a big one. No assumption. No jumping to conclusions. Uh, No expectations. I mean, it goes on and on. It's like Mm -hmm. so many... No arrogance. No arrogance. That's a big one in our world and and that's kind of funny at times funny in a way to look at at the world and people who think they're really really smart and and know everything and then you look at what they share and the energy that comes with it and the truth that really comes with it and it's like first of all why do you even have arrogance but there's no basis for it to begin with. And I think that's one of the things that brought us into this mess. And it's to no fault of their own, because that's how we ha- we are trained. To think we we know everything and that is that. We don't have to listen anymore. I guess those are a few thoughts.
2: Thank you well said and And with the
1: arrogance the what we mentioned before about the ikta I know that already. That's a big part of arrogance. <laughs> they think they know everything already, then they don't have to be nice or kind or <laughs> Um, listen to you or anything. Don't have to interact. Don't have to treat you nicely.
0: There's just one more thing about it. Uh, I think great thinkers throughout history have always said the greatest enemy of of knowledge is the illusion of knowledge. And that's a lot what we're dealing with in our world and It's a lot, it's a big part of what we work with in the studies. Give up the illusion and get real.
2: Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Will said.
0: Thank you.
1: Let's take a five-minute break, and we will get back... (laughs) yeah i saw that bulging look in the eyeballs time to take a break
0: we see you in five
1: five minutes